Psalms 9, verse 1, it says, I will give thanks to you, Lord. With all my heart, I will tell of your wonderful deeds. We're going to be talking about thanksgiving, giving of thanks today, right? We're, we're, we're heading into um, the holiday of thanksgiving, one of the most pure holidays that we have. It's not tainted by men in red suit or little bunnies. But it's a time where our nation set apart, made it holy for the sole purpose of giving thanks. And there's some things you've got to understand about giving thanks. You can't give thanks without remembering. And you can't give thanks without humbling yourself. And you can't give thanks without magnifying another. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, so when we pray, when we go to God, we are supposed to pray with thanksgiving. We're supposed to be praying, remembering something. We are supposed to be praying, humbling ourselves, and we're supposed to be praying, magnifying something. Do you know that here, the word careful means be not anxious? We are commanded not to be anxious about what? Anything. Anything. We are commanded not to be anxious about anything. See, here's the question. If we're commanded not to be about anxious about anything, are you anxious? Now what does anxious mean? The dictionary defines anxious as apprehensive or worried. Do you live with apprehension or worry in your life? See, the answer for many people is yes. And if you're not sure if you're a worrier, if you're not sure if you're apprehensive about life, God gives us the answer to find out if we are. We can see if we are anxious people or not. Look at what the next verse says. This gives us the results of a person who is careful for nothing, anxious for nothing. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. See, this is a spiritual test. This is a spiritual test to see where you are on this issue. Is there peace that passes all understanding, keeping your heart and mind healthy? Is your thought life healthy? Right? Is, is your soul healthy? Is your emotions healthy? Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks, so is he. See, a lot of people think it's their past that makes them who they are. A lot of people think 
that it's the tragedy in their life that makes them who they are. A lot of people think it's how, the family that they were born into. No, this, the, the Bible says it's the way that you think. The way you think is the, is the reason you are the way that you are. So if you don't like the way that you are, have another thought. Change your mind. Amen? Yeah. Romans 12.2 says, And do not be conformed to this world. Understand what that, that this word picture is. Conformed means to be pressed into a mold. We live in a culture right now that is trying to conform everyone into a mold. You either celebrate what we celebrate, or we're coming after you. We're going to tear you down. You do what we do. You say what is right, that we say is right. You say what is evil, that we say is evil. It's a constant pressure from society to conform, to conform, to conform. And that is not the Spirit of God. The Bible says where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. There is freedom. There is freedom in the Spirit of God. God isn't about conforming people. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a, there's a renewing of your mind. See, in Adam, we were all just a bunch of old worms. But in Christ Jesus, if we can renew our minds, if we can transform the way that we think, there is a metamorphosis. That word, that word transformed is the Greek word that we get the word metamorphosis from. Do you know what a metamorphosis is? It's when a worm goes into a um, cocoon and transforms into a butterfly. And what Paul is telling us here is that if we will allow ourselves not to be conformed by the wor world, but through the word of God to allow ourselves to transform, transform into the very nature and image of Jesus in our lives. That we might be able to know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See, your life goes the way of your dominant thoughts. Your life goes the way of your dominant thoughts. If you want to control your life, if your life seems out of control, control your thoughts. Control your thoughts. Your life is completely dominated. Who you are today is who you said you would be. You believe yourself more than you believe anyone. There are people that say, well, you'll never be able to do that. And you say, bless God, watch me. But there's other people who say, man, God got great plans for you. God, God has, has desires for you. He, he, he's, he's got an incredible future for you. You can do this. And you say to yourself, I'm no good. I'll, I'll never amount to anything. Who do you believe? You believe yourself. As a man thinks, so is he. Which brings us to the next verse, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, 
Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there be any praise, any, think on these things, any, any, any. If you can find anything to be praising, to be thankful for, If there's anything you can be thankful for, anything, anything. See, a lot of people in their marriages, they, they get to a place where they're not thankful for nothing. There's nothing they see that is that is they, they can be thankful for. Well, then that goes back to remembering. You have to remember. You have to remember of going back to why did you marry them in the first place. There had to have been something to, to be thankful for when you first met them. There had to have been something. And, and if you can't find anything to be thankful for, well, you can be thankful about what Jesus said about marriage. Jesus says that in heaven, that there's no marriage in heaven. And you can thank God for that. Right? You can praise God for that. That when I get to heaven, I'll spend all eternity and I have to worry about my spouse. Right? But you can find something to be thankful for. Think on those things. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. You know, if we follow these instructions, how would your life be different? How would your life be different if this is what your thought life pertained to? Well, you wouldn't be able to watch the news any longer. Right? See, we need to change our focus. We need to magnify God and we need to make Him bigger in our lives. Do you understand what to glorify God means? To glorify means to magnify. And what is magnify? When you magnify something, what do you, what do, you do? You make it bigger. How big is God in your life? How big is God in your life? Next question is, is there anything in your life bigger than God? And the reason why it's bigger than God is because you've magnified it. You, and it, you're actually glorifying it. So we need to change our focus. We need to remember all that God has done and be overflowing with thanksgiving. See, we need, we need to thank God for all His blessings. And when we re- thank God for all His blessings, it refocuses our attention from the negative to the positive things in our life. Understand, I'm not, I live in this world with you. We all, we all have problems. We all, this is a fallen world. But God is good. God is good, and his goodness to us is greater than any of the enemy's attacks. Everyone, every one of us has as much to be thankful for and more than enough reasons to glorify God. So are you thankful? Are you thankful? Be honest with yourself. Are you a thankful person? See, we live in a culture that is addicted to bad news. And I've met many, many Christians that are addicted to bad news. Right? We, it's just going to get darker and darker, Chad. That's not the Bible I read. It says that Jesus has come back for a victorious church. Well, it's getting darker out there. 
Well, not at my house. Not in this place. Right? Understand something. It can't get darker and the church get brighter at the same time. You walk in a room and you say, man, it's dark. Then you flip on the switch. And guess what darkness does? It flees. Light overpowers darkness every time. And maybe if we start acting like who we are in Christ in this world and let our light shine, be thankful people, be glorifying and magnifying God in our life, maybe darkness will start to flee. If we awaken to the truth of who we are in Christ Jesus. We are bombarded. We are bombarded by trials. We're bombarded by tribulation and fears. They make money off that. They, they are just like the enemy. They, they're just like Satan. They use it against you. They use fear as a tool to manipulate and to control you. See, most Americans don't fully appreciate how fortunate we are to live in the midst of, of the most amazing time in history. In one, of the, in the one of the, if not the most amazing nation in history. I just want to look at where we come in the last hundred years. And before you start thinking, a hundred years, that's a long time. No, it's not. There are some of you that a hundred years ago, that was your great-grandparents. Your great, right? People lived to 80 years old. 80 and 80 is what? That's over 100 years. 100 years is nothing. Right? Look at this. Health. We're not going to go into all the, the improvements in health in our world, but I want you to hear, understand this. The struggle against early death has largely been won. Listen to this. The death rate of children under the age of 15 has fallen by 96% since the 1900s in the United States. If you're a parent, think about that. Think about if you lived 100 years ago. You had a 96% chance. Or, yeah. That your child wouldn't make it. I think we can praise God for that, right? We can be thankful for that. Nutrition. You know, for years, people struggled to get enough to eat. Right? They struggled to get enough calories to, just to survive. Right? We, we, we talked with Paul earlier today. There was a time when your, your parent gave, gave the boy the one bullet and the gun and says, you go out and you better come back with something. He had one bullet. And, and we got a, I have a story of my grandfather and his brother. They were... They were, went out pheasant hunting, and they both had one bullet. And they and were told, you better come back with two pheasants. And they went out, and they shot, shot one pheasant, shot another one. And then they, as they were coming back, there was a pheasant in the weeds, and he stomped on it with his foot. And they came back with three pheasants with two, two bullets. They just want to get enough calories to survive. You know what our problem is today? Obesity. That's our trouble today. Children. 
Listen up, kids. In the 1900s, half of children lived in poverty versus 20% today by our standards. Death before age five was not uncommon, and childhood ended early. Almost all teenagers were in factories or in fields, not in schools. Kids, you got something to be thankful for. Income. Income. We live in the wealthiest society in the history of the planet. And we're not talking about billionaires. We're talking about you. You. A family living in the U.S., a family living in the U.S. at the poverty level today has an income that is about three times higher than the average per capita income of the world. That's something to be thankful for. That's not somewhere to, to live. You believe God for more, but it's something to thank God for. That at least I'm here. At least I'm in the United States. I'm doing as good as the middle class and the rest of the world. Here in the United States, I have something to be thankful for. I have something to be grateful for. And I, and, and I can praise God and worship God that he's going to take me higher. He's going to give me the ability, the Bible says, to create wealth. Most people living in poverty today own a car, a flat screen TV, a cell phone, internet, microwave ovens, and they consume more calories than those in wealthy families in other countries. Work. In the 1900s, almost all work was toiling labor. Listen up, women. Women faced 70 hours a week of housework. Why? Because they, don't ha they didn't have the luxuries that we have today. Washing machines, dryers, ovens, microwaves, all, all of the vacuum cleaners. My wife has a vacuum cleaner now that she sits on the couch and it goes around by itself. It's pretty nice. But... <laughs> You know, our culture is trying to say that the reason why women didn't work out of the home was because, because of the oppression. No, it wasn't. They didn't have time. They didn't have time to work outside of the home. Factory work, 100 years ago, was low-paying, dangerous, and physically exhausting. The average factory wage back then was only about half of what is regarded as the poverty wage today. American farmers were still using spade and hoe at the beginning of the 20th century. They were only to able to produce in an hour of work one one-hundredth of what they are capable of growing and harvesting today. Think about that. Think about the labor. Think about the time spent. Leisure. <laughs> yeah, these are things you guys don't think about. 
An affluent society has disposable income for recreation, sports, eating out, and other non-essentials that make life fun and enjoyable and entertaining, right? Do you know that the single fastest major expenditure for Americans, other than taxes, has been for leisure activities? Today, the average U.S. household spends about 10 times as much on recreation as it did in the 1900s, and about three times as much as it did in 1950. Americans have three times more leisure time over the course of their lives than their great-great-grandparents did. Housing. In the 1900s, less than one out of five homes had running water, flushing toilets, a vacuum cleaner, or gas and electric heat. As of 1950, fewer than 20% of homes had air conditioning, a dishwasher, a dryer, or microwave oven. Now, between 80 and 100% of homes have nearly all of these conveniences. I mean, we could go on, we could go on with transportation. We, could go on, we can go on with technology, education, the, the, the whole world. You can, you can educate yourself for free over the Internet. Natural resources, we've learned. To, we could go into all, women, women and minorities. All of these categories have seen drastic improvement in the last two generations. Can you say that we have an abundant supply of things to be thankful for, to be grateful for? But the population at large is not thankful people. Do you know we're about to go into Thanksgiving, right? Will that be a celebration of Thanksgiving? Or will it be a celebration of griping and complaining? Complaining about the politics. Complaining about the gas prices, complaining about the economy, complain, complain, complain. Or will we celebrate this Thanksgiving? Will we be thankful? Will we be grateful? Will we magnify God in the midst of everything else? Christians, most believers struggle with being thankful. When we're the ones of anyone should be overflowing with thanksgiving. Because our joy, our thankfulness, does not come from without, it comes from within. See, that not being thankful is a heart condition. It has nothing to do with your circumstances. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. When are you supposed to rejoice? Always. Not just when you feel good. Some of you remember when you were first saved. Can you remember that? See, to be thankful, you've got to remember. Do you remember the peace that came in your life? Do you remember how grateful you were to know that God loved you, a sinner, and that He saved you? What happened? What happened? It's because we stopped remembering. 
We stop being grateful. We, we, we stop humbling ourselves and, and, and we're not magnifying God in our life. I am so thankful for what the Lord has done in my life. You've heard me say it before. I would be dead. I, I really believe that I would be dead. The life that I was living was leading to death and destruction. And He saved me. He saved me. There are so many things in my life because of stupid things that I have done that by His amazing grace, He rescued me. He is awesome. He is awesome. And I strive to be a person that is thankful for all that He has done. You know, people come to Karis, come to this church. I've seen it so many times. They come and they are excited. They're happy. God's doing things in their life. And then all of a sudden, they just get back into a routine. See, we've been doing this for 10 years. I haven't changed. This church hasn't changed. We preach the same thing. Right? Right? We haven't changed. And if you come into this body and you are excited and you are overflowing and God is, is working in your life and changing things and giving you new, new revelation and, and, and then you get to a place where all of a sudden it's just going through the routine. There's not that passion. You're not being changed. Maybe you're even into a place where you are rejecting truth it's not the church it's you you've changed and how do we change by not being grateful not being thankful you know sometimes i i i I think that we should just call church off one sunday and have everybody go to other churches So, because I believe, I believe that this is a place to be thankful for. I believe that this is a place where we, we're, we're not perfect by any means. I mean, if you find the perfect church, don't go to it because you'll, you'll, you'll wreck it. Right? We're, we're not perfect, but we're real. And, and we don't preach religion. We preach the grace of God. And we preach that God is good. And God desires the best for you in your life. And this is a house of hope. I get so frustrated with people not wanting hope. You can't get people's hopes up. What are you talking about? Show me where that's in the Bible. This is a place to get your hopes up. Because we have a big God that does big things. He's extravagant. And He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of being glorified. He's worthy of... Being thankful of our thankfulness. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. Don't you love that? God put in every single person a GPS. A God positioning signal. 
God created you with the knowledge of Him. You know your uncle? He's an atheist. There is no God. Guess what? He knows that there's a God. He knows it. Everyone knows that there is a God. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Humanity is without excuse. You will not stand before God and say you did not know. By the grace of God, by his sovereign act, he has put it in every single person to know that there is a God and you are not him. There is a God and he, must, he is worthy of praise and honor and glory. There is a God that has a standard and has a personality and attributes and we will be judged according to our failure to keep his standard. We all know that. But guess what? Jesus came and he's our standard so we can stand before God pure and holy and the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus Christ has done in our life. Every person knows, every person that's ever been created has that intuitive knowledge of God. But, they don't, but the problem is, is that they don't worship Him. They don't worship Him. They do not glorify Him as God and are not thankful. And they became fools. Psalms 53.1 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. If there is a person that says that I don't have to believe in God to be good, they're a fool. You cannot do good without the standard of goodness. God is the standard of goodness. You cannot be a good person without God. See, this is, this is a progression. There's progression found in this passage that we can learn from. This progression will steal your joy and hinder the Spirit of God from overflowing with God's goodness in your life. All of humanity is without excuse, and, 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 and they're all in a stage of this progression. Look at it. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful. There is a progression to the hardening of our hearts that when, even though we know God, we do not glorify Him. We do not magnify Him. We do not make Him big in our life, and we are unthankful. We are unthankful people. And this is the progression of, of those that are denying God, but this same progression can happen in a believer's life. It can happen in your life. It can hinder the goodness of God from manifesting in your life. Why? Because you stop glorifying God as God and magnifying Him as God. And you are unthankful. See, this is a progression and, and, and it spirals people into a place of hopelessness and despair. And I said the first thing that they do is they, stop glor they don't glorify God. They don't magnify God. The second thing that they do is they're not thankful which causes their thoughts, it goes on to say, to become futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, 
When your thoughts become futile, that, that literally means fruitless. Some of you do have fruitless thoughts. You're constantly thinking about things that aren't going to produce good fruit in your life. It's going to actually produce the exact opposite of what you want in your life. And if we continue to think wrong, our hearts will become darkened, hardened to the things of God. But here's the good news. We can do this in the reverse. We can do this in the reverse. We can, we can have fruitful thoughts. We can have light, our hearts enlightened. How? By glorifying God. If we choose to glorify God, and if we are filled with thanksgiving, our minds will become fruitful and our hearts will be filled with light, which means they'll be filled with God. We just do the opposite. It's so easy. So how are we doing? How are you doing? Which way are you embracing in life? Are you glorifying God? Are you a thankful person? See, the first action to stepping away from God starts with not glorifying Him. See, it's the philosophy of the world to overstate everything and predict, predict the worst possible outcome. Right? The media glorifies and magnifies tragedy and spells out the worst possible outcomes. The medical profession, don't go there, huh? All they do is give you the worst case scenario. They're not wanting to get people's hopes up. Listen to me. If we lose hope in this world, we will spiral into chaos. Hope is what holds this world together. Hope is what gets you out of bed. Many understand the power of fear, and they use it just like Satan to manipulate and control. You, you don't spend months or years nurturing fear and panic and then just decide to turn it off one day. Some of you need to turn off the news. Some of you need to turn off what you're watching. Some of you need to turn off what you're listening to and start magnifying God, start glorifying God, and start focusing on all the things that you have to be thankful for. See, these spiritual forces are very detrimental to our, our spirituality, our emotional and physical health. The world is addicted to fear. The world is addicted to fear. And if, there, if there, that's not enough, negative things going on in the media will manufacture something for you to worry about. They'll make up stuff for you to worry about. Even religion is guilty of using fear to motivate people. Even religion uses fear to motivate people rather than love. Understand, fear is the language of the devil. It is never the language of God. If you think God is using fear to torment you, you are mistaken. You are misinterpreting the true nature of God and you need to seek understanding through the Word of God and Holy Spirit. There are times when God speaks firmly. There are times when, when, when there is a seriousness about God. 
But just like a loving father, the reason why he speaks firmly, why there's seriousness, why there is an order, you need to do this, is not because he's against you, it's because he's for you. And he has a plan for you. And he wants to prosper you and give you a future. See, many believers get to a place in their lives where everything is getting worse and worse. You know, people's eschatology, and eschatology means what you believe about the end times. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. They have more faith. They're, they're looking for the Antichrist more than they're looking for Jesus. Right? They're, they're looking for the kingdom of Satan to, to, to grow and grow and grow while the kingdom of God gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It's all about Vienna sausages, canned beans, and AK-47s down in some shelter or something like that. Instead of going forward in the things of God, occupying till his return, to preach and disciple nations, to let your light shine. See, there's people that think that the world's getting worse and worse. They think that the devil knocked Jesus off his throne. Well, I got news for you no one's knocking Jesus off his throne. His kingdom is everlasting, and it has no end. How do people get like this? They stop glorifying God. They stop glorifying God. Understand, Satan is competing for you in what you value in your life. What you glorify is what you value. You are giving value to things that, of, on what you think about, what takes precedent in your life, what you magnify, and what is big in your life. And Satan is competing for that area of your life. See, God blesses you. He reveals his love for you and what he thinks about you and the future that he has for you. But the next day, someone dumps all over you. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Have you ever had that happen? Have you ever had that you just, God spoke something to you in your life and and you seen your future, and you were believing God, and then someone comes in and just says the complete opposite in your life. So what are you going to do? Are you going to magnify what God said, or are you going to magnify what this creep said? That this person that Satan's using to rob, kill, and destroy your destiny. What are you going to magnify? What do you magnify? Right. There's so many people. There's there's so many people that is is so concerned about what other people say about them. They're so worried, and the reason why you're worried is because you put value on what the, what they think. You put value on what they think. So we got to get to a place where if if they're not telling you what God is telling you about who you are and your identity in Christ and and the future that God has revealed for you, you should tell them, I could care less. You have no value in my life. See, a person that is easily offended is someone that puts great value on what others others think of them. If you're easily offended, you, you value what people think about you rather than what God says about you. And this can happen in our finances. You know, you, you can get in your, you can see in the word, you get a revelation from God that God wants you blessed. He, he wants to 
um, bless the work of your hands. He, he, he wants, you, he wants to um, give you the power to get wealth. You see that, that he is a blesser. He's not a stealer, right? But then you're fine, you're, you're, your bank gets overdrawn. So what are you going to magnify? What are you going to magnify? Same thing with your health. What are you going to magnify when it comes to your health? Are you going to glorify God or are you, going to glo- go- are you going to glorify what the devil's doing? The church, the church knows more about what the devil's doing than what God is doing. What is God doing in our nation right now? Do you know? But you can tell me everything the devil's doing. You can tell me everything that the kingdom of Satan's doing. What's God doing? There's a great awakening happening. There are churches rising up. God is moving. Do you know how close we are in Mississippi to having Roe versus Wade overturned? That's in the, it, he's doing it in the midst of all this chaos where the, where the media and everybody's saying the devil's winning. And God's saying, just watch me. Amen. Do you esteem God and his word more than what's happening in the world? We should esteem God and disesteem everything else. We should disesteem everything else. Disesteem everything else. Comparative to God. Comparative to what God has said about your life. The value, the value that we place on everything and everyone should be a strong second place. We need to place such value on God and what he's done in our lives that nothing could ever compete. Look at this. Matthew 10, 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Compared to the value that we place on Jesus, everything else must come in a distant second place. If you're sitting here thinking, I don't know what I'd ever do without my spouse. I don't know what I'd ever do without my children. My life would end. You are magnifying, you are esteeming something that has no place to be there. I'm sorry. Look, this is... Jesus actually said in in Luke, He says that if you do not hate your mother and father, child, Even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. He's not talking about that I gotta hate you. No, he's talking comparative. Comparative. The value that we put on God, the value that we put on Jesus has to be greater. When when it when you look at that, everything else looks like you actually hate it compared to Jesus. See, there's a place in your life that you can get where Jesus becomes your all in all. When God becomes your all in all. See, many believers place too much value on the wisdom of this world rather than the wisdom of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 
3 and 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Do you understand? Everything in your life is competing. It's competing to exalt itself above God. And we're supposed to bring every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. We need to magnify it and glorify God and disesteem everything else. Look at Paul's value system. In, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For to me to live is Christ. My life is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this will mean fruit from, from my labor. Yet I, excuse me, Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Notice that Paul is, can choose. Is he going to go to heaven or is he going to stay here? For I am hard-pressed between two, the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. He... he, he he was struggling with this idea. Do I go to heaven? I want to go to heaven. I want to leave this body. I want to be with Jesus. But it's better that I stay for the churches. Can you say that? See, we got to think about these things. You go into the doctor's office and he says, it's terminal, you're going to die. You should say, praise God. Hallelujah. I'm either going to see the greatest miracle that I've ever seen or I get to be with Jesus. I get to be with Jesus. You know, we sing, when we all get to heaven, what a day that will be. And then the doctor says, you're going. And <laughs> There is a place. How did Paul get to this place? He esteemed God. He esteemed Jesus above everything, even his own life. And if he can do it, we can do it. The second key to the goodness that God manifests in your life is thankfulness. The first one was glorifying God. The next one is thankfulness. And Romans says, neither were they thankful. Thankfulness is intertwined with glorifying and magnifying God. In order to glorify God, you have to be thankful for what he's done. In 1 Timothy 3.1, look at this. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And that sounds like a lot of people nowadays. But look at what God lists. God lists unthankfulness right next to being unholy and a blasphemer. You might think it's all right to be unthankful, to not have gratitude, but God lists it with some of the worst things that we see in our culture. And could it be the reason why we've seen all these other things in our culture is because we're not glorifying God and we're not thankful. We're not thankful. The major... <clears throat> The major amount of people in this population today are unthankful people. They are unthankful people. 
Many in the church are unthankful. And they do not remember or acknowledge the goodness of God in their lives. Understand, when we thank God, we are reminding ourselves of what He has said, what He has done, which magnifies Him, which glorifies Him. When you think on the, upon the Lord this way, God becomes bigger and more powerful in your life. You understand that? When you magnify God, when you th- are thankful and grateful for what God has done, God becomes bigger. Now, I'm not saying that you make God bigger. God is always God, right? But he becomes bigger in your life. Faith arises. You, you have a different outlook and a different view of your future because you have a big, big, big God, right? And the only way that you're going to magnify God above all the problems of this world is through being thankful for what he's already done. Be thankful for what he's already done. A thankful person is a humble person. A proud person doesn't believe anyone else has helped them do anything. If you're an unthankful person, you, you, you are a very proud person. They think that they have accomplished everything on their own, and they don't acknowledge the con- contribution of anyone or anything. See, that's the attitude, of, the attitude of this world, is I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman, and that's rampant in our world. Would people describe you as a thankful person? Would your spouse say, my husband, my wife, they are so grateful. They, they are just the most thankful person that I know. Would your, children, would your children say that you demonstrate an atmosphere of thankfulness? See, these are things that we can pass on to our children's children. If you're not, if you're not, it's easy. Repent. Repent. Change your mind. Say, I'm going to be a thankful person. I'm going to glorify God. Ask Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance all the things that you have forgotten, all the reasons you have to be overflowing with thanksgiving. In Psalms 103, Verse 1 and 2, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that, with all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We are commanded not to forget the benefits of God. Why? Because he knows that you'll forget it. Because if we don't acknowledge the, the benefits of God, we'll forget the benefits of God. In the Old Testament, we had institutions of many different feasts. And, and, and observances and, and, and markings and that they, they put through. You know, when they went through the Jordan River, they put up 12 stones. So when, everybody, when your children came by this way, they'd see the stones and they'd say, what those, are those stones for? That is when God brought us into the promised land. In the New Testament, we have communion. What did Jesus say? When you take communion, do it religiously. When you take communion, do it because you're hungry. When you take communion, do it because, because Why? To do it in remembrance of Him. We have to remember what Jesus did. We have communion every single Sunday. Why? It's an opportunity for you to remember, to put yourself in to remember. I'm going to deliberately take communion, remembering what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for me. I'm going to magnify what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for me. One of the hardest things about love 
about a loved one that uh, is battling dementia is the loss of memory. You know, you can't have relationship without memory. You can't have relationship without memory. The intimacy and depth of a relationship is completely based on memory. If one person can't remember, the relationship is dramatically hindered. It's almost like starting over. If you couldn't remember, if you couldn't remember anything, imagine what your life would be like. What would you what would you what would it do to your marriage? What would it do with your children? What would it do with your work? You can't function without memory. And yet very few people remember the goodness of God. That's where a lot of God's children are. They, they, they forget. They don't remember all that the Lord has done for them. So their relationship with God is hindered. Their intimacy with God is hindered. It, it, it feels like it became cold. It feels like it became distant because they've stopped remembering. They've stopped magnifying all that God has done in their lives. If we are going to maintain a spirit-filled life, you are going to have to be a thankful person. You need to learn to be a thankful person. You need to constantly go back and rehearse the victories in in God. Rehearse what He has done, the encounters that you've had with God. The times He rescued you and saved you from trouble. i got two more scriptures. Isaiah 5.51.1 Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from whom you were hewn in the hole of the pit from which you were dug. See, we need to constantly look to the Lord. He is our rock, and we have been chiseled. We have been molded. We have been taken out of the Lord, right? We need to remember who we are in Christ, right? Foremost, we need to remember the image of Christ in us, right? But we also need to remember the hole that you were dug out of. The pit that you were in. Where were you when the Lord found you? How did he rescue you? Right? Where would we be if it wasn't for Jesus? <coughs> the sin, the death that he rescued us from. The hopelessness that we had without God in the world. I will give thanks. I will give thanks to you, Lord. With my, all my heart, I will tell of un all your wonderful deeds. I will remember what you've done in my life. I will thank you. I will glorify you. I will magnify you. To give thanks, you must remember. To give thanks, you must humble yourself. To give thanks, you must magnify another. There's something powerful about going back and rehearsing the victories and being thankful for them. And we need to learn to make a habit of glorifying God by remembering and being thankful for all that he has done. Stop allowing the devil to steal the glory by causing you to esteem and value what's happening in the natural realm over what God has promised you in the Word. We need to learn to magnify God. We need to learn to be thankful people and, and, and be overflowing with thankfulness. And when we're overflowing with thankfulness and we're overflowing with glory and magnifying God, God's goodness, God's Spirit will come, become overflowing in your life. Amen? Amen. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be thankful for. So let's close in prayer.
and we'll sing a song of thanksgiving, and we'll be good to go. Amen? You agree with that this morning? Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a good God, and you have revealed, revealed your goodness to us, and you have given us so much to be thankful for. Lord, help us to glorify and magnify you. Help us to think upon all the things that we have to be grateful and thankful for. As we go in to this Thanksgiving holiday, this season of Thanksgiving, may we, may we exuberate your, be overflowing with thankfulness and thanksgiving for all that you've done in our life, Lord. Remind us, Holy Spirit, remind us of who we were and where God has brought us and where God has taken us. We thank you for that and we love you and we thank you, we magnify and glorify you today. In the name of Jesus, amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.